Welcome back to uh, Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. Ori, how are you tonight? All good? Very good, Michael. How are you? Good. Now, tonight we're going to talk about pre-purchasing. In other words, when you get your first classic car, how do you go about it? We are going to mainly concentrate on Ferrari classics, and uh, the classics we're talking about is classic and modern classic, up to probably uh, mid mid 2000s and i suppose we're going to speak about our experiences what we did when we purchased our cars and the certainly. process we went through yeah certainly all right so ori tell me you've uh, recently purchased a car say uh, it's been a year now yes um what was your thoughts on and the way you went about it and i have to thank you for helping me through that process because those those four years looking at it you don't really think about the pre-purchase inspection on every car you go and see it's only uh, uh, like you said when you get really close and you think that it may be the one that you are seriously contemplating it, that you go to that pre-purchase inspection stage. So um, my major thing was, who do we get to do this pre-purchase inspection? And so we used our mechanic who was going to look after the vehicle once he came here, once again via your suggestion, Mario Lambrosciano from Veloce Motorsport, had a friend based in New South Wales who he trusted and he was a uh, Sal DeMauro from uh, Racing Red and they put us in contact and so organised for then the two mechanics to speak to each other and what to look out for and what to do via the pre-purchase inspection and then I felt quite comfortable in discussing the purchase and the pre-purchase inspection with Sal. Lucky enough to obviously with yourself Michael go down and meet Sal while the pre-purchase inspection was going on and he gave us a document I think it had 100 Odd bullet points, so it's pretty much like a hundred point check, yeah. Yeah, okay. So even before that, Ori, the the choice of car, for example, and also, did you think about budget and you know? So did you narrow it down to a particular model? Then you started looking. And so the funny thing was, I don't know when we first had this conversation. We said, "What's the budget going to be?" Right. So we set ourselves a budget, and so there was a few cars that fit into that, and we said we wanted a manual gated shifter. And the one that was sitting around that budget in that with that spec was a modern 360. And then you start speaking to other people. And you say, I'm looking for a Ferrari, I'm in the market, and they start. Oh, for an extra twenty, for an extra fifty thousand, you should buy this one. It's a lot better than this one. And then from an extra fifty, you go, you know what? But really, if you stretch yourself an extra hundred, and all of a sudden we're looking at four, five, eight Italias. We're looking at last of the naturally aspirated cars, which is something else that, you know. Is quite you want to you want to own also because you think it's going to be a collector and a future classic, but then I think reality set in and said no. Let's go back to where we started. We want the budget to be what it was that you're comfortable with, and I think that's what you have to first be what you're comfortable because when you set a budget, part of that budget has to have ten to twenty percent built in for servicing, pre-purchase inspections what you're going to do to that car, what you may need to do to that vehicle. So once I had then settled that, we well, comfortable. It was then finding the best 360 Moderna on the market for that money. Yeah, and it is. It's a case of uh, we do have to remember that we're buying a second-hand car. So often when it's gone for sale, that means that people probably haven't maintained it or you know have left a few little things by the wayside because they're looking to sell. So you certainly do have to allow a certain percentage or a few dollars for the first year of maintenance that's not just maintenance, but getting it to the spec that you want to get it. And one of the other things that you taught me when we, were, when we went to see this car in Sydney together was 
I was picking every little fault, and I think I said last week or in our first episode how fussy I am. I was picking every little fault on this vehicle, and you pulled me aside and said, you're looking at a 20-year-old car. And that's true. We're looking at classic. It's not going to be perfect, right? We haven't done anything to it yet, so it can't be you know, near perfect yet. And that's something you need to remember also. Correct. And what about things like, you know, when you looked at the 360 Moderna, did you research much on the faults and, and... Okay, yeah, I did. I actually did. I watched... I downloaded every article I could on the 360 Moderna and every recall of the 360 Moderna. And then there's so many great videos on YouTube, and but just articles in general that show you what can go wrong. What are the 10 major faults with the vehicle or what... What have people found to be a problem? You know, problems with that certain car. So I had a list of things to look out for. Also, myself before it going to the um, to that pre-purchase inspection stage. So I have got a book for my vehicle that I document everything I do to that car. What it, you know, driven petrol put into the car. What sort of fuel? How far I drive it? What I do? And I've got everything that. You, or the list of things that may go wrong or have gone wrong with other 360s and to make sure I check those things against mine. Now, a lot of those things have, were recall things, factory recalls, so they were done anyhow. And I mentioned the Ferrari app. The Ferrari app for those modern, more modern Ferraris or you know, modern classics actually tells you when the recalls were sent out and if they have actually been done to your vehicle. So that's a great peace of mind also. Yeah, that's certainly reassuring to, to know that that's been done. The The other thing as well, when you do look at a car and you're seriously interested and you're not going to get a pre-purchase on every car, you would look at them and say, well, hang on, this meets my criteria. Uh, I've gone through and checked a, a lot of things. It's It's got all the the proper keys. It's got the books. It's got the thing before you go and visit. Because often the car might is possibly not in your state. And uh, you I, know. Uh, 100%. And you said, you know, you're not going to get a pre-purchase inspection done in every car. And that's not because it's financially uh, too much to do. Because, to be honest, it's quite reasonable. You know, any pre-purchases can run anywhere from $500 to $1,000. dollars So it's, when you're spending over $100,000 for a vehicle, in the scheme of things, it's not a lot of money. And it's the best $500 to $1,000 you're going to spend if you're going to buy a classic. And every article you read... Everyone says, make sure you do a pre-purchase inspection. And with the pre-purchase, it's quite critical, like you're saying, in getting the right person that is passionate about these types of cars, the mechanic and that, that you will look after you as a customer and also knowing that you're not going to be his long-term customer because it's a one-off. That's why you probably link with some other person that knows them, that you you can actually get something that you know that the guy is going to be looking after you and telling you the right things. Yeah, correct. And Mario and Sal are obviously friends and they still talk today and they discuss the vehicle. And, you know, I spoke to Sal when I was looking for some wheel caps a few months ago and he asked how the car is going, you know, if Mario needs any help, give us a buzz. So they are, they pretty much are a family of mechanics that are passionate about what they do. The other thing is when when you're purchasing what I liked about when you purchase and also when I purchase mine is you want to make sure, I think, that both the seller and the buyer are happy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you want to leave the deal that everyone's comfortable with what's happened. Now, when you, you've, you know, you've got some items on the pre-purchase, you've 
as we said, we've got to remember that they're not a new car. So some of the items you can tell them, you know, the the dealer or the private person, look, I want that fixed or I'm going to take money off because of it. But again, it's got to be fair and reasonable. You know, um, you're not going to get them to respray the car for you. Now, if you're talking about purchasing, uh, say, a best in the world concourse type car, then maybe you will be particular or be more particular that everything's got to be perfect. But if you're not and you're not paying top top dollar well then you've got to expect that some things are going to be left yeah and, and i think one of the other pieces of advice that you gave and sal gave also and i suppose our listeners can take if they are looking at purchasing a classic if you are moving it to another state and you you've got your mechanic that's going to look after it the feedback we got was don't let the dealer that you're buying the car from do the work wait until you get it home and get your mechanic to do the work. Take it off the purchase price, like you said. It's a better way to do it. Yeah. It's more comfortable. Yeah. And and that that is a good point. Because they don't rush. Yeah. And, but again, it depends on what items it, it is or they are. And also it depends who you're buying it for, what sort of dealer. So if you're buying it from an authorised Ferrari dealer, I think you can get them to do it. If it's an independent dealer that doesn't just deal in Ferraris okay. and they've got many other yeah, types of cars... Well, then it's a little bit different because they haven't got the complete expertise of dealing with that vehicle. But certainly if it's a, a Ferrari, authorised Ferrari dealer, like when I purchased my 456, they did a lot of the items. Um, mind you, it took yep. a fair while. By the time they, they, we negotiated on some of the items, agreed to those items, got the, uh, some of the items done. Then you get your pre-purchase inspection mechanic that did that to go back and inspect, to check. Uh, and then some things might still not be quite right. So you might have to pay a little bit more for the pre-purchase if, if there's a second bite to that. And again, even though in my case it took some months to get it delivered, the experience was quite good because it was an authorised Ferrari dealer. It was actually Ferrari... Um, Maserati Sydney and they were excellent to deal with I've got to say and they were very apologetic about the time but yeah they'd have to order parts and and you know things do take a bit of time but when I got it it was they did all the things they said they were going to do that that was another good point yeah so about ordering the parts the one thing I really enjoyed about the experience of my pre-purchase inspection was when the pre-purchase inspection came it had the part number that it needed or the item number it needed and the cost yes that's right I loved that I love that. So you know what? I wasn't going into it blind. So it's got a lot of work to be done. It's not as vague as that. It's like, you know, this is exactly how much this part costs from Ferrari. That was great. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. The other thing with, you know, looking at your classic car, we're talking about classic cars that we want to use as, we won't call them daily drivers, but a Sunday driver or, you know, occasional driver. So when you get your insurance, it's uh, limited use or extreme limited extreme use. use. So you're probably talking about 3,000 to 5,000 Ks a year, yeah. something like that. I mean, if you're purchasing a car that um, you want to restore, you might not go to that same trouble. If it's a complete project car, you might you might you not get be a pre-purchase fast, you know, inspection so, done because you, you know it's going to be work. Yeah, you're going to have to do, you know. You're not so driving it. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. How about the fact for people that are buying from interstate, a classic, if it's left-hand drive, because there's a lot of classics out there left-hand drive, can it be registered in South Australia? It it certainly can be registered in South Australia, as long as it's over 30 years old. So that's Yeah, no I think that's the rule. I mean, you check your own, uh, for your own state, you'd have to check. 
but uh, you don't have to convert it to right-hand drive. If, if it's, it's over a, 30. If it's over 30. And everything has to go over Regency? Uh, yes. For when it's coming to Australia. For, to, to South to, Australia? South, South Australia, yes, you do. Yeah, Every that's, car. That's, that's my understanding, yeah. Registered or unregistered if it's coming into South Australia. So it doesn't matter change. if it's got a compliance plate in, it got delivered to Western Australia, let's just say, and it's compliance, Australian compliance plate, it still will go over Regency Correct. in South Australia. Correct. So I, suppose, I wonder if every other state's got that. No, it it's varies. Ju- I think okay. it varies. So you'd have to check in your own state what the what the, what the, rule, what the rules are. We're pretty, yeah. tight, pretty hard here, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. So um, I think the rule for... Left-hand drive might not be 30 years. It might actually be less because I think they're able to bring through some of the testarossas and things like that that are not quite 30 years. Yeah, because they were 80s, yeah. 80s So I think it might even be 25 for left-hand drives. I'm not sure. But again, if you're going to buy a left-hand drive car, I think you'd want to have some, some experience with left-hand drive in a right-hand drive country so that, you know, you're comfortable that you can... You can drive, you know, like that. Yeah, so in uh, if I look at, you know, when I searched for mine, you know, it took a few years and I was looking at a 2 plus 2 and I wanted a front engine 12. And so when I went over, it was actually it was in Sydney. I looked at, because I narrowed it down to certain cars and I did have a budget and, you know, reading a lot about various things is make sure that within that budget you allow yeah, a certain percentage for your first year work and things like that. And uh, so I took a week, took my wife with me, and we looked at the some of the cars that I'd teed up to go and have a look at. One was a, a 365 GT 2 Plus 2, the old uh, Queen Mary, the 365 GTC 4, and there were two 456s, uh, GTs, both they're all gated shifters. So you went to see all of them. You drove all of all them. All in the same week. Yeah, it was all in the same week. It but no out. pre-purchase inspection has been done yet. Correct? No, no pre-purchase, and I had to because not knowing what they, I had never driven any of those before. You don't want to sort of spend that sort of money and then not sure that you like it or not like it. But how will you know if you're going to like how a classic car drive or how a car drives one twenty minute, half an hour, hour yeah. test drive. When you're emotionally, you want this thing. Yeah. You know, you've been looking forward to this yeah. beautiful car. Yeah, that's so that's certainly a good point. I think if you're already looking at for something like that, you know you're not going to buy, you're not buying a modern car that you expect, uh, you know, smooth and no noise and, and things like that. And the, the, and the inspection is quite short. You know, I mean, you, you sorry, the inspection might be a certain time, but you, your drive could only be 10, 15 minutes. Correct. You know, and sometimes you go back again, all right, for some of them. So I drove uh, the four, five, there was a four, five, six we drove first, which actually was one that um, Morrison, what's his name, uh, James Morrison, the. Uh, other guy from um, Top Gear? No, not, no, not, that's Jeremy Clarkson. The other guy, there was, uh, did a, a review on it. It was on, the, it's on the YouTube video. Okay. And. That so I drove, drove. I drove that car, which was the ex uh, Rennie Rivkin car. Okay, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that was black with um, maroon interior, or red, should I say. That was a nice-looking car, but um, had a few faults and things like that. And also had a drove the red 456, which I ended up buying. So you weren't – were you not sold on colour then? I wasn't really sold on colour. Actually, there was only one of, one of them was red. The other the – other, no, two of them were red, but one was uh, – painted red but it was originally a, a green I think that was a 365 GTC4 
which I wasn't that comfortable buying one that had been resprayed, uh, especially if it wasn't the matching colour. See, I wanted red. For my first Ferrari, I wanted red. Yeah. And, you know, that was my thoughts too, but I wasn't completely sold on it. It, was the, it want, I wanted it to be uh, front engine 12 and I wanted it to be manual. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. So that was my, my criteria and I had a budget yeah. of, you know, my budget back then I think was 140 or 150, but allowing for stamp duty registration and also some repair work. And what put me off the earlier cars like the 365 GT 2 plus 2 and the 365 GTC 4 you know they're older cars they weren't quite I won't say perfect but you know they weren't quite up there and I knew that had they been restored no neither of them had been restored okay so none of the older ones and having being you know being the first Ferrari I was a bit nervous about buying a car that might need some work and the expenses because you know I read up a fair bit and you get some horror stories about <laughs> Yeah. buying some of these cars and that's why I was more comfortable in in settling for the 456. You know, it's interesting just thinking while you were speaking, had you purchased one of those the 330 or the 365 and we talk about the main dealer and our main dealer here in Adelaide is uh, Zagami Ferrari now in uh, South Australia. You don't really see many old classics that they work on in those workshops. But the Mario Lambrosianos at Veloce model have got all the tools for those cl- old classics. But surely the main dealers must have the tools to work on those classics. Or oh, look, is I that would, a specialised section? Yeah, I would say no. They certainly, they certainly would. I mean, we don't see them that much because you don't frequent their service department. But you know, they've got you know very experienced people in there that have have dealt with them for many many years. So they certainly, uh, they certainly would. But the you know the question is, you know, the expense. You know, because the time spent on some of those auto cars, it's not just a straight service. It's not changing yeah. a module. It's, you know, thinking about how you can get around something, you know. And are the services, is it a longer? I mean, that's a really good point. You know, I speak to Mario all the time and I say, how many, what percentage of 360s does he see? And he sees a high percentage of 360s. Yeah. So pretty much he knows his way around that car with his eyes closed. But with a 330 or an old Dino, that you're not servicing as often or an old Daytona. Do services take longer? I suppose some good ask Mario, but yeah, you know, that's a good point. But I'm not sure whether they take longer or not. But in terms of the experience, there's a lot of you know independent mechanics that have got a fair bit of experience with the older with the cars. Old ones, yeah. You know, whether it's you know the Alphas, the Lunches, or but you the, weren't thinking about any of that stuff when you're looking, correct? I, I was. Oh, you were. No, no, I was. I was concerned about buying an older car and finding out who would who would be able to service mine because although I'm, you know, inverted commas sort of mechanically minded a little bit, I'm not going to do a major service or anything. I might change the oil, but I won't. So had you spoken to any mechanic at all who serviced Ferraris prior to you going to look at the cars? Yes, I actually did because um, I was actually dropped off a car at Ital Service back then, the Luigi brothers or father and son, and uh, I got to know Mario from there. Because I saw their workshop and my father had gone there with his Alpha back in the days. So I was very comfortable that I found this mechanic only because we I dropped off a, a friend's 360 uh, for service and I got to know him there. So you, you do want confidence in when you take your car home that you've got someone that can deal with some of the issues and has the experience, oh, this is happening and that's not happening. I mean, we've got the advantage these days that you have got internet. There's the forums. 
I joined the Ferrari Chat and Ferrari Life forums before I bought the cars. So you can find out a lot of information. So did you know all the faults on the 456 or any the issues that may arise? Yes, yeah, certainly. I, I read up on all the things that could, could occur and a lot of them did. Wow, okay. But the thing is, a lot of them did, but some of them I fixed up during the pre-purchase inspection and the That's dealer fixed it. And a lot of the things that you can you can live with without fixing it. So some I had on my list to do when I do my next major service. That's important most, too. You don't have to do everything at once, do you? Well, some people do, yeah, don't I they? Know, already? I know. Yeah. That, that's me. That was my problem. But you're right. You know, a lot of these things you can live with. The car, you can still drive the car. Yeah. There's no problem, right? And and I, and if I look back, of all the times I've driven, has it ever left me on the side of the road? Never. You know, uh, okay, if the wipers don't work sometimes, sorry, yeah, that, that, that can happen. Man, but. So I had an issue a couple of weeks ago, my first Ferrari drive day, and I was reluctant to take it out in the rain. And Michael and his friend said to me, what's what's the problem? You think your windscreen wipers don't work? Lo and behold, they didn't work. So <laughs> it was, lucky he bought the 456 because my wife and I jumped into that and uh, enjoyed the drive there. But we've got another one coming up. So fingers crossed. Yeah. The wipers are now fixed. And it won't be raining. And it won't be raining. Yeah, correct. So anyway, um, going back to purchasing your first car, look, there's a lot of research you should do beforehand. If you can drive that particular model and more than one if you can because there's differences between them. The older the car, more differences probably are between them because it depends on the how well they've been maintained, the suspension, you know, um, all those sorts of things. So do they drive nice and tight? Is the gearbox nice and sweet? You know, does it start you no know, first time? Is it does it start cold? Probably you can't even test it at some some of those cases you know one example i you know when we took it for the test drive having having read that when it's cold and you first start it first to second is always tight doesn't always go in easily now if you didn't know that you think there's something wrong with the gearbox here first to second doesn't work no there's something wrong there's an issue i'm not going to buy this car so it's just those little things although in yours in your case your first to second was actually quite good even even cold yeah you know so your gearbox is was very tight and still is of course yeah so you know before you buy certainly a lot of research i think you know one thing i learned it was and not because you're here but taking someone who's not emotionally attached to the purchase is key because you are so keen and you know you've been looking at these beautiful things for so long to purchase and when you're finally there you aren't actually looking with the through the right lens if that makes any sense because you just want to buy it so badly so you need someone who's actually not emotionally uh, involved in your purchase to point out hang on relax let's look at everything properly here don't get emotionally attached the right one will be out there and i remember when we took the car to sell prior to him doing Anything on the pre-purchase inspection, the gentleman working on the Dino in the corner yeah. said, don't worry, you might have to see four or five cars. This might not be the one for you. And I hadn't even looked at the car yet, right? So I think that's an important thing. Just because you take it for a pre-purchase inspection, you're going to spend your money, doesn't mean it's going to be the right one. And so what do you do at that stage? Having never experienced that, do you just do pre-purchase, you pay for it, you're not happy with what the pre-purchase is, and you say to the dealer, I'm walking away? I think you've got to be able to be strong-willed enough to say it's not the car for me i'm going you've lost your thousand dollars you're better off losing the thousand dollars than losing the hundreds 
you know, if there's a problem and you're going to forever be cursing it. So when you buy, you just buy subject to pre-purchase inspection? Correct. So like like you did, like I did, all being equal, this is the price we'll settle on, um, but I'm going to get a pre-purchase, and if there's anything on there major, well, we can negotiate that yeah, down. Great. And that happened in your case, and it certainly it happened in my case. Like I said, don't get, and another thing, you know, don't get too caught up on the price and the negotiating of the price. You can do that once a pre-purchase comes back. That's right. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, And it also varies where you buy it from. Like you might buy it auction. Auction is a different... Different kettle of fish completely. Have you ever bought a car? No, I haven't. No, yeah, I haven't bought it. You can see the car viewing area. I think yeah. you can start them. I think so. Some of them will let you go for a test drive, but I'm not sure yeah. what level. But then that's you know, it. You know. So yeah. So whether you buy private and then you can't get them to fix anything, so then it's just a negotiation of you know. Look, I'll buy it at this figure, and also depends on how rare the thing is, and I mean how many are available. You might not have the the choice, you know, uh, or be able to negotiate because of because of demand, demand and supply. Yeah, you know? yeah, um, but certainly buying it from a dealer, you probably pay a little bit more. the The thing is, and what someone told me when I went on a first drive and my expansion tank was leaking a little bit, they say, "Don't worry about it; it's easy fixed." And you know, you, so you don't. You've got to be able to put up with some little things that aren't quite right that didn't probably get picked up in the pre-purchase inspection. They can't pick up everything because they don't go for a drive, you know, for a, you know, a long drive. And the other good thing that you know, pre-purchase inspection taught me was the fact I was hung up prior to looking and when I let when I was comfortable with the fact that if it's UK import or Australian delivered, it still comes out of the same factory, right? They all come out of, you know, Maranello. So... The right-hand drive UK car is exactly the same right-hand drive UK uh, Australian delivered car. Only one went to the UK and one came to Australia. And it doesn't affect uh, the PPI by any means. Right? No, correct. From the, P- from the PPI point of view, they will just look at the car to see um, how original it is and the faults with it. You know, they won't really worry about where it came from. Now, you do have to be concerned about where it comes from because you know in places that you know they you they have a lot of um, ice on the road they'll use salt so you got the chassis you know can get so salt, you salt so you've got to look at the did, corrosion on ours yeah but you'll your pre-purchase inspection will pick that sort of thing up but yeah i think if the listeners you know, say if you find the right car it's uk delivered and we're living here in australia there's nothing wrong with that correct Correct. So unless, of, uh, you know, of course, you know, some people talk about resale value in in some of that. But if you're not buying and selling and if the car's really good, well, the resale value will be there anyway. Yeah, correct. And not that we talk about resale, but someone else they mentioned to me said, if you're so caught up on that, just go sell it in the UK. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think we've done a, a fair rundown on PPIs. Uh, on PPIs, yeah. I think, yeah. One word, get them done. You get them done. There's no choice. You need to get them done. And I think you've got to, if I look at my experience and I read your experience, is in the end you want to be happy with your purchase and you want the deal to go smoothly. Always going to have some hiccups, but you want to build relationships with with the people that you deal with. You want to make it easy for them. The pre-purchase inspection person might you might only see them for the one time and um so it's important that they leave happy 
you leave happy and and you're comfortable and you're comfortable you're with right. you know with making that purchase because it's face it you know it's a substantial amount of money and you want to be comfortable about that all right we'll leave it there Ori. done thanks again there was a it was a good little chat so if you'd like to reach the show contact us via email on mick and ori at gmail.com done thanks listeners thank you